Um, <sighs> yeah. How many white claws have you drank? Uh, well, I finished the box. Um, so that's uh, twelve. No, 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 no. Uh, no, there were only four left, I think, in a twelve pack. Okay. So I finished those, and now I'm on to a rum and peach, orange. What else did I throw in here? Cranberry. So the kitchen sink. Yeah. Kitchen sink cocktail. It's <laughs> a it's a tropical kitchen sink cocktail. Peach. <laughs> I think it's. Oh, peach mango, peach mango orange juice. There we go. Peach mango orange juice. Trader Joe's has a peach mango orange juice that is like legitimately perfect with rum. You just throw that in there with some rum, throw a little splash of cranberry juice on top. That's just shit that I've taken out to the park before and got dangerously fucked up in the middle of the park, just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> like a bunch of fucking families and kids around me, and I'm just, Max is just sprawled out on a blanket in the sunshine, just. I don't even know what fucking time it is right now. Like, So you basically are just living the existence of the main character in the film. Seriously. Like, I felt hard <laughs> with that with that experience. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Well, hello. And welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What's up? Watch rom-coms and then record our thoughts and place them on the internet for the tens and tens of listeners. Listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing this fine day? I am good. It is the same day it's been yesterday and it'll be the same day tomorrow. It's the same day every day. <laughs> It, it, it definitely feels that way. The pandemic definitely has that effect, uh, which is an infinite time loop effect, which is the main causation of what happens in the film Palm Springs, which is what we watched this week. I know I just jumped right in. It's it. all right. I didn't really the have lane, anywhere to go with that. The lane was the lane was there. We're the just lane was jump there. Into it. Yeah, I, I like, gave it to you. I gave it to you. There we go. Yeah. Um, it just. <laughs> um yeah so as we said last week we know we, we did the film we're doing the film palm springs uh and there will be spoilers for this film so aren't there spoilers you know, for every film technically yes but at the same time with rom-coms the plot's never really the main crux i mean that's the whole reason we have the podcast. Oh, it's more about that's true yeah it's more about the stuff outside of the plot as opposed to the plot itself but in this case, since there's a very huge sci-fi or sci-fi slant to the film, that you know, yeah, they want to go in cold. A little bit of quantum physics in there. <coughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, quantum leaps per se. You know? <laughs> Takes me back to all of the college courses I failed. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, well. Let's uh, let's talk about the statistics of the film, um, the mathematics of it, the, the overview, basically. Uh, so, Palm Springs is a 2020 
American science fiction rom- romantic comedy film directed by Max Barbacal uh, yeah. with, a screen- with a screenplay by Andy Ciara from a story by Ciara and Barbacal. Um, it stars Andy Samberg, Kristen Milioti, Peter Gallagher, and J.K. Simmons. <laughs> and it follows two strangers who meet at a Palm Springs wedding only to get stuck in a time loop. I mean, who it's hasn't been there, man? Like, There's technically three people who get stuck in a time loop. But. Yeah, let's not forget about Roy, that sick fuck, all right? That sick fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, basically, the film is produced by the Lonely Island guys um, and some other people. Uh, but when Lonely Island uh, took this film to Sundance, to premiere the music festival, I mean uh, the um, video festival, the movie festival, the movie yeah. Festival. <laughs> yeah. Music so festival. Um, I've got music festivals on my mind now that summer's coming and yeah. vaccines are out. <laughs> they uh, premiered it at Sundance on January twenty sixth, twenty twenty, so right before the pandemic. Oh, um, okay. And then shortly after, Neon and Hulu acquired the distribution rights for the film, and then. They reported they <laughs> it was reported in as I mentioned uh, like on how film like in our last podcast we were talking about how films get distributed especially like indie films and things like that. Um, this film they uh, it was reported initially that they paid seventeen million five hundred thousand and six five hundred thousand dollars and sixty nine cents. Sixty nine. Which broke the previous record for the highest sale of a film from Sundance by sixty nine cents. Nice. And then later, later reports put the deal closer to twenty two million after guarantees was factored in, but it still ended in six. But it still ended in sixty nine cents. Oh, good. Okay. Hey, don't take that away. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and uh, and so the um, the film also. Um, it was it received two nominations at the 78th Golden Globe Awards, including Best Picture for Musical or Comedy. Um, really? And uh, Best Actor for Andy Samberg. Really? Yes. Uh, neither won, but got it. That's still got cool the, they got um, nominated, though. Nominated, yep. And then uh, the film was released on Hulu and in select drive-in theaters on july 10th of 2020 oh this would have been a great movie to see in a drive-in theater and the reason they did that is to like make some sort of box office and also you know make it eligible for awards because at the time awards were still under the previous rules of like it has to be released in some sort of Uh, nationwide theater to be yeah um you and also, I'm sure there's some there's a probably like contract language that they had fulfilled with probably distributing yeah. the film. Yeah. And so they're just like, if we want to release this digitally, we have to do something. So, yeah. Have you ever been to a drive-in movie theater? Yeah. There's one uh, in Dallas. Yeah. I think it's called. Yeah. Motor- That's yeah. exactly what I've been to. Yeah. And by Dallas, I, we mean Dallas, Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, a tiny ass little like farming town. Yeah. Off Highway 99. Ass- yeah, tiny ass town that has maybe two to three thousand people, um, and then they uh, 
in a small ass gym that I've wrestled in before. Um, yes. How much you want to Dallas. bet that drive-in theater isn't there anymore? <clears throat> uh, I think it's still there. It's just emptied and not operating anymore because they can't afford it. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, when it was released, Hulu claimed that the film also set the opening weekend record by netting more hours watched over its first three days than any other film on the platform's history. Hmm. In August, it was reported that 8.1% of subscribers had watched the film over its first month. Damn! That's actually and a then, pretty high percentage for subscribers. Yeah, and in November, Variety reported the film was the 26th most... 26th most watched straight to streaming title of 2020 up to that point. I mean, the fuck else were we doing? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, God, those were dark times. <laughs> yeah. Um, the film is 90 minutes long and has a budget of $5 million. Uh, technically, it does have a box office from like those drive ins and whatnot, but. Uh, the budget or the box office was obviously less than a million, so we're not going to bother with that. Well, and you uh, said they made what seventeen something, seventeen million at yeah, Sundance. Yeah, the sale of it, like, and then with guarantees factored in, it was like over twenty. So. And they spent five million on it. Yeah, so. solid return. They pretty much, it's like the filmmakers pretty much got their money, um, and then yeah. Hulu, Hulu probably got. I mean. I'm assuming Hulu got money off of it as well. Um, I feel like that's plenty of money to ba- to make a uh, Bash Bros sequel. <laughs> yeah, another lonely island, a lonely island visual poem. I um, laughed so hard when that came up, even though you told me about it. Yeah. As soon as it popped up, it was like a visual poem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, Rotten Tomatoes does have a score for the film. Okay. What is the Rotten Tomato score? You know what? I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say since it did well at Sundance, I'm thinking it also probably did well on Rotten Tomatoes. So maybe like an 80%. Well, you are wrong. God damn it. It is certified fresh at 95%. What? Yeah. 95% from critics, 88% from the audience. And that's off of 238 critical reviews. 95%? Yeah. Uh, The critics' consensus is uh, strong performances, assured direction, and a refreshingly original concept make Palm Springs a rom-com that's easy to fall in love with. All right. And then uh, Jim Ross of Cinetopia wrote, "Other other films may have done the time loop concept better, but the emotional journey the characters go on is a little different here, and the time loop idea plays into that journey. Yeah. Amelia Harvey of Frame Rated wrote, uh, Palm Springs covers the big topic of finding something to live for and the value of companionship. 
but with a unique goofiness mixed with unexpected poignancy. That's a pretty good summary of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then Ella Kemp, a UK writer, wrote, Fans of sci-fi, buddy movies, sitcoms, and towering love stories alike can rejoice. Palm Springs finds a sweet spot in all of them. Understanding love and pain as transcendental fear and desire as lifeblood. That, yep, that's the one I agree with the most, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I like the uniqueness of it, the, like the mixture of the different themes coming together and showing how love can kind of be a part of it still. Yeah. I agree. And, I mean, I think we should just talk about everything that goes well in the film. So, first off, Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti, I just love them as actors. Fuck yeah. Uh, just from other shit. Like, um, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, How I Met Your Mother, like all the other projects they've been in. I've been a fan of theirs. Um, so she was so much better them... in this than How I Met Your Mother, though, just because of How I Met Your Mother's, like, <laughs> scripting of her. <laughs> Well, I mean, she's alive, so uh, but, <laughs> that's always a bonus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in a way, she's alive. Is she though? She's <laughs> yeah, living the she same though? day over again. Yeah, she's uh, she is she is living in some sort of alternate reality from the present again. Uh, no, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, and uh, the chemistry between the two is fantastic. I remember. Uh, reading a, that story about the whole Lonely Eye thing, like someone tweeted about it, the whole 69 cents thing. And then when I read like the synopsis of the film that they had made, I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'll make sure to look out for that on Hulu when it comes out in six months, you know, because yeah. that was in January. So we weren't like, you know, locked down. So it was just like, oh, I'll see it when I see it. Life is happening right now. Yeah. And then, yeah. But then, like critics, remember, like remember a lot of these, <laughs> well, a lot of these critical reviews came out in April of that year. So, like, the movie had already been made because it released the Sundance, right. but it was being released, ne- uh, like, on Hulu in July. But a bunch of critics got it in April, so they could write about it and you know hype it up. And so there are a lot of writers who were just like, "I'm not going to ruin the movie for you," and everything else, but when it comes out, watch it. Like there are a lot of writers who are like, I got an advanced screener of the film. It's really good. And well, like, that's I, pretty much I what you write, told me to yeah. do. Yeah. And so, so yeah, that was the idea. Um, with the film was that, you know, like when it finally came out, I remember I had nothing to do. Cause obviously <laughs> it was July of the pandemic. Hmm. Um, so I immediately, I watched it the weekend it came out and I immediately was like, I know Max would like this. Hell and yeah, I, dude. And I told you. I'm glad like, you um, told me like, it, see, this is why we're friends, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> you like, that was a great movie to watch for the first time. And I, I still like, I still laugh about the fact that I legitimately have waited. What, what episode are we on now? Uh, 76. All right, so 75 at least weeks worth of this podcast. I mean, obviously not the full 75 because this movie came out while we were already doing the podcast. But yes, however many weeks, I legitimately just like 
counted it out because I th- I swear to God, I thought we did it for the podcast. <laughs> I mean, we're six weeks from July 10th. So you waited 46 weeks. Still a decent amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> it is a decent amount of time. And that is the type of math it takes to find your way. It's a blast your way out of a cave back into the present. But <laughs> before we get to that, um, yeah, as I mentioned, love the leads. And then J.K. Simmons and Peter Gallagher, you can't go wrong with having them. As, oh, God. You know, J.K. Simmons is fucking actors. amazing. Oh, my J.K. God. J.K. Simmons is always great. Um, Roy, you sick to- fuck! <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then also the what always makes me happy is when I turn the film on and I look at the time bar and when it shows, you know, one second, two seconds, three seconds, you look at the end of the time bar and it says exactly one colon thirty colon zero zero. And I don't know really? why you see it. It's it's exactly ninety minutes, and that includes like rolling through the credits and everything. And I don't know what it is about seeing exactly ninety minutes, but it's just like it makes me feel like oh, this movie is just so efficient with its time. Yeah. Like, you never feel like you're stuck in this film or that it's moving slow. It is efficient. It is getting through everything. I mean, so they um, they they make you feel trapped in the time loop without making you feel trapped in the time loop. Yes, exactly. And yeah, it's, I mean, there was very little being said between us while we were watching the film. We were like cracking jokes or talking about how shitty it was. This was both of our second time watching it. So it was our first rewatch after seeing and not being as surprised by it. Mm -hmm. So you could actually focus on some of the details of it. It's just, there's a whole lot to like about the movie viewing experience when you watch this film. Um, yeah. And Andy Samberg is a surprisingly <laughs> good lead for the, for it too. Like, yeah. I, um, I mean, I don't, I don't mind him at all, but as a rom-com actor. It see, you, you've never seen Celeste and Jesse forever, mm-hmm. which I don't think we can do for this podcast. Because it's not quite enough of a comedy. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, I've never even heard of it. It's a romantic dramedy. Uh, But it's a movie that uh, Rashida Jones and her writing partner, um, I believe her writing partner is Will McCormick or something like that. But um, she and her writing partner wrote this film about a couple who met in college, gets married young, and then divorces that are like gets separated and is going to go through a divorce. But like he, but they live in LA and she lives in like the house and he lives in like the garage slash like turning the studio that they had created out of the garage slash apartment in the back. And so they're still friends. They're still trying to be friends and like as they were in college, but they just know that they can't be in a romantic relationship. They're too different of people. Right. And so, it was Rashida Jones starring along with Andy Samberg. Interesting. It's a really good movie. So Brooklyn, um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine meets Parks and Rec. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what's fantastic about it is just like the way that in that film, 
they talk like it's about dealing with the other person moving forward. And initially, Rashida Jones, she's like in marketing and everything else. She's the one with her shit together, and he's just like this artist who just kind of, you know, is talking about hitting the waves and like you know, just like doesn't do shit. And that's kind of why they, you know, fell apart. But then, in the midst of you know his adventures in LA he meets a girl and then he like well he goes on a date with a girl he sleeps with that girl and then they kind of fall out of contact and then all of a sudden a few a couple months later that girl contacts Adam Sandberg, Andy Sandberg and she's pregnant oh and he decides to become a responsible adult and help you know raise this kid which then is like the whole reason that they she that he and Rashida Jones broke up in the first place so now that she sees him becoming uh, that adult she yeah. has her own feeling and so that's where the movie starts moving um gotcha it's it's a that really good movie does sound like a drum yeah it's a really good movie but it's more of a dramedy because it's more about seeing the roles reverse right or initially he's the one broken up about the fact that he like their marriage, he wants to get back together, and then he finally moves on, and then she sees him moving on, and yeah, makes sense. She has, uh, she has a great joke at a wedding though in that film where she goes, uh, "How do you get a nun pregnant?" How? You fuck her. <laughs> yeah, it's just the most random, most random like opening line to like a wedding speech ever, and then. And when she says it, she gets silence except for one guy laughing really heartily, going, oh, oh, oh. and then and then she goes and she says, thank you, Reverend. <laughs> <laughs> and this, it's like, that's the punchline. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good film. I, I, I um, that's a film I would marry, and it's a romantic drama. You get an extra one for free every because I love you, tens and tens of listeners. It's Memorial Day weekend. It's Memorial Day that when this comes out, we love y'all. All right. Anyway, well, so shit, that makes sense. Then I can I, I can understand why Andy Samberg got nominated for Best Actor. Then, yeah, yeah like he's he definitely has approved it as a romantic lead, and I can see where you're coming from. If this is the first one you saw, it wasn't my first experience. In that film that I mentioned, Celeste and Jesse Forever, he was finding his legs. There were moments where mm. there was like a very serious moment where like he would give a speech and when he was saying the words, he would look away and like and so like and, oh, and, yeah, yeah. Kind, and you could kind of see that same tick when he was having the heart to, or like when they were arrested by the cops. Like whenever she'd say something to him that he didn't want to you know take he would just kind of look away where she was just like you know like some sad boy blah 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 and he's just like he would look for a second away from oh him, you know? yeah and like look, stare off into space as if you know he just and it was just like uh, that's a choice that's an acting choice you know yeah. it, it is what it is it's like it, it's it's a lived in choice it's yeah. a it's a choice that you would see in real life i guess it's just that it's also a, an obviously a choice. So you're as an act as, as watching an acting performance, you're kind of like he's acting. You know, instead of like, oh my gosh, just look at this like 
like you you don't care that there's acting happening you're just in the experience right you're like oh this guy's acting yeah. right but but i mean it's like i had to nitpick so far into that yeah. using yeah. another film that he was a romantically to finally find a critique for his performance yeah that's how was, good he is in this film he was that's how pretty, good the acting is in the film pretty fucking solid in this like both of them like again both him and Kristen Milioti were both really fucking solid. She's phenomenal. I loved her character in this. Like, I would, I would straight up date the shit out of that character. <laughs> well, I mean, I would too, but it's because we both, you know, we both have a, an issue with, you know, wanting to solve women's problems with their penis, you know? Oh, I just have a, I just have a, uh, I have a soft spot for a brunette who cusses. So, <laughs> I was trying to reference a joke from Sleeping with Other People from last week, which you should watch that movie too. Um, I married it, uh, but no, when, uh, <laughs> when at the very beginning, when Jason Sudeikis and Alice Brie go on their first date. And then he's like, I want to have sex with you. And she's like, no, why? And he's like, I don't, you're just here and you're vulnerable. And you just, everything about you says, solve my problems with your penis. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that story. <laughs> so, I, like, you know, that I was, that was a callback to that. Um, but yeah. nonetheless. It's good stuff. So, I, you know, we, we were heaping all this praise on in the beginning because... There are things to discuss and it's more of just, I guess it's more about like the deeper theory behind the, the theory of the time loop and like everything else. that's stuck in just like well, yeah, this ideas is, about life. Cause I mean, this makes you think about life. This is the, <laughs> like, this is, I think one of the first rom-coms that we've done that actually had like, I'm hesitant to make a generalization like this, but it, it it definitely had much more of a plot than any of the other rom-coms that we've done. Like it had a legitimate like backstory plot and everything to it that was outside of just the romance. Well, a backstory for one person. Yeah. We still yeah. don't we still don't know what Niles' backstory is. That's true. Like we find out at the very end, he finally we finally find out he has that a dog. he has a dog. Yeah. Yeah. That's but I it. mean, like, <laughs> but like we actually have well, like in the course of a day that keeps repeating, somehow there is so much more of a plot and a storyline to this movie than just their romance. Like it's not just a rom com about these two hooking up and like overcoming, you know, the odds that they're faced with to be together it's like oh there's a legitimate storyline happening here that we're getting swept along with just like they are and it, it i don't know it felt like it felt like those nights where you'd go along with a group of friends in college and there's always some like overarching plot to the night but then there's always some subplot for like two or three other people in that group you know like two people in the group are about to hook up kind of thing, or maybe one of one of the exes of one of the guys or girls shows up randomly. Now you've got that as a subplot. Like 
there's always like those college nights where there's some weird ass subplot happening in a group of friends. And I, I felt like that throughout this movie. I felt like, okay, like I'm, I am very focused and invested in their, their storyline. Like I want to see what happens between them, but also we got this whole other mess to deal with. Like all of this other shit, we got Roy chasing you. We got, we got a tunnel in a cave that creates a time loop. We got an Australian cowboy whom, whom, yeah, who I, I don't know what his ethnicity is. I just know he has an Australian accent and he has sweets in his pocket and he eats out Misty. And he dances crazy. And he performs the ceremony. Like, that character is like maybe down like 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th in like importance of the film. And there's so many details about that character. Like this story and screenplay is full of details like that. Yeah. And that's part of why it's such a good, like why it's such a good film. And um, I think, I think the time loop helps with that. Like that premise yeah. allows yeah. for like some semblance of consistency throughout the movie. Like we see the same day, the same people, the same event, everything stays consistent but then we're able to see as an audience like all of these all of these nuggets of new information along the way like we keep learning new things about the same people in the same events and i yeah like we keep learning all of that all of this weird shit about the that guy we learn stuff about uh the the fiance that what are the character, the lead character names again? Niles and Sarah? Niles and Sarah, yes. So the fiance that Sarah sleeps with, like we didn't know about that till like halfway through, if not more. So like that's that's another thing that starts to develop. We start to see his character a little bit. So it's kind of nice having that like, having like common ground throughout the movie, the consistency. But then also like just developing and like seeing like, each time we repeat a day, you see a bit more of the picture. You see a little bit more of each of the people that they highlight or a bit more of the story, you know? I thought that was a that was a clever... I don't know if that was an intentional strat- strategy, but I thought it was... It worked. It worked really well. And it works a lot more than a lot of other rom-coms we've watched where it's like just the standard storyline, the time progression that you have to just like kind of ride along with and then like piece together their pasts and all that stuff where it's, you know, it's very standard. Mm -hmm. It. uh, So. uh, This is something that I thought about while watching the film. And I think this might help us get into a deeper conversation about the film a little bit more. Um, would you choose the time loop over her or no? Um, would you just, if you knew about the cave, like if you show up to the wedding and Niles and you end up like in Roy's situation, 
would you choose to go in the cave? Because like, Roy so like you get chose... you, you you party with a dude, and you do some coke in the bathroom. You go wander out the desert. Well, you go find the he cave. Says, he says sweets, and it looked like pills that they crushed up. So I think it's more like ecstasy than coke. Oh, but nonetheless. Yeah, I was I was wondering I how they were getting the effects that they were getting from Coke. Not that yeah. I've ever done Coke, but just from what I know stereotypically, but and from I mean, I've been around people who have done Coke. So exactly, yeah. 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 Um, I wouldn't imagine like hugging each other like at the at like the dance. <laughs> no, no. Like, that's that's ecstasy, right? Yeah, especially cuz Coke is such a quick burn too. It's like mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, very true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it was something else, but nonetheless, but I mean, in that situation, you know, Roy is obviously unhappy in that day. He's bored in that day, and, and it obviously he, teaches him how to appreciate what he actually has. Yes, and he, but he got, but in that moment, that initial first moment the the single page of the oh i would say probably millions of pages that they they write with every day like i think that's the best way to describe the time loop is that every day is a page and they're literally writing the same page every single day but it's its own page you know what i'm saying it's so like it's the same page of the same book but you rewrite that page so therefore yeah, it can be like, if you choose well, it to have, be it can be unique like this book that i have my notes in for like timestamps and everything for us like every page is like empty right now mm -hmm. and then when he wakes up this page gets written and then the next day when he wakes up it flips to the next page and the next page gets written and it gets then it flips the next page. So like everything on this page is written for the first time. All the words have their own existences for the first time on this page, except for the person writing the page. And then when you go to the next page, you're still the writer, but every word is having its own experience for the first time again. So that Roy, who ends up getting stuck in the time loop and becoming a writer of himself. At when he was on the page, he was unhappy. If you were on that page as unhappy, like you, you just let's say you, you're you and you're in Roy's position and you party with Niles and Niles tells you about the cave, do you go in the cave? Absolutely. I, I feel like I feel like I would too. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You, you and I, as 33 year old men, single with very little to no, yeah. like, fuck it, let's do it. No anchors are just like, yeah, I'll go to the I'm way. down. Let's <laughs> fucking try this yeah. shit. Yeah. Especially since, like, since right before that, he's sitting out under, like, oh my God, dude. He's sitting out in, this, in the desert under the stars. Like, I don't, I don't know. Have you ever, have you ever like, I mean, you've been to like Vegas and stuff and you, so you've been to the desert. Have you ever actually yeah. seen a starry sky in, in the desert though? I've, I've not in the desert. I mean, I've, 
I've been out to the country. Like I've been on a, you know, our resident Reese Witherspoon experts. Yeah. Farm yeah. So like, okay. Stars out there. So Rural I know, Oregon. I know yeah. what stars look at, look like when you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But the, the best, the best memory, the only really amazing memories I have from ever from my early childhood of being in Arizona and Nevada were those night skies, like uh, nothing, not even rural Oregon. Oh my God. It's like, you can see, you can literally see like the edge of the Milky way. It's incredible. The night sky is so beautiful and humbling, but at the same time, it like, it really makes you feel different. Like, so like him lying out there, especially on those drugs, under that kind of a night sky and he goes this is the best night of my life yeah i I got that like i understood that it was like oh yeah you've reached a point in your life where you've you've probably forgotten how to appreciate certain things in your life that you have currently um maybe you've hit kind of a dead end in your life or you've or whatever whatever you know, personal issues may have risen up in your life. And now you find yourself just living in the moment, just enjoying right now. And being able to say, oh my God, this is, this is amazing. This is the best feeling of my life. And then suddenly someone presents you with, check this out. This is where your ancestors are. My ancestors? Uh, your answers, your answers lie in there. Those are two different things. <laughs> I, I like. I was about to say ancestors. Like fuck. Like I know when they saw dinosaurs, but goddamn, that's going way back for ancestors. Uh, like, <laughs> so yeah, I'd probably walk in that shit too. I'd be like, especially me. I mean, you know me. Come on, the sci-fi nerd. Like, someone presents me with that, I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go, let's go. I'm ready. I've been waiting for this. Like, I just feel like there's infinite possibilities that you can live life on that day. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you to, to get bored is going to take a long, 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 long time for me. Like I could see it getting I, boring faster like, than that, but not not that fast. I could see it getting boring after like a good couple weeks or a month or so, maybe a year. I'm thinking like right now in this pandemic, I haven't like I haven't left my apartment much to at all really um, during this whole thing, um, and. I like, but like, there's always been sports on. There's always been like video games and everything. Like, I would hate losing sports because it'd be the same games over and over again. Right. But at the at the same time, like, I could play every single video game to ever exist <laughs> through completion. Like, find a way. I'm just thinking to, like, about all the people in that situation you could fuck with. 
like which he does throughout the movie like all yeah. the various like the little subtle ways that he fucks with people you know yeah. i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't require like massive pranks in order to be entertained necessarily but like just his casual nonchalance throughout it all because he's been through that time loop so many times that it's like mm-hmm. he obviously acknowledges that it doesn't fucking matter so he's just going to casually do whatever mm-hmm. it's like yeah that i could enjoy because for, especially for someone like me who is so used to you know playing it by the rules and doing it by a, you know a certain order of operations and everything to be able to have that freedom where you're just like well i'm fucking here fuck it <laughs> let's let's have some fun that would be that alone would be entertaining for quite a while and yeah all the different things you could do in that day that you could try all the different permutations you could go through the different uh the different people you could meet the different uh video games you could play (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. i guess it matter i guess it comes down to like what are you what are you leaving behind and and what are you really signing up for? Because Roy never knows what he's actually going into. He doesn't know that he's giving up his previous life. He's just kind of rolling in the moment for once. He's enjoying his night. He has no idea that he's going to get permanently stuck in a time loop. <laughs> yeah. So so if you, if you knew it was a time loop, like it was going to be permanent, if there was no... Not that it would be permanent, but there is no known way as of now to get out of the time loop. Would we still walk into it? That's the real question. I still say yes. That's where I start to hesitate. Because the prospect of new possibilities of new experiences tomorrow is always alluring to me. But the prospect of repeating the same day over and having that consistency while also being able to do whatever the fuck I want within the boundaries of that day is also very alluring. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then that kind of brings me to my next question which is uh, as our frequent guest the dog outside makes his appearance oh I can't hear uh, him for uh, once I can't hear him probably because I actually my (laughs) the super in my building your new windows yeah they put in new windows in my apartment and he also offered for $30 to actually put in my air conditioner correctly. I usually just would have it sitting on the windowsill. Wait, let me see it. Let no... me see it. Let me see it. Yeah. It was on the windowsill with like nothing oh, beside good. it. But now he actually put like, you know, like. Oh, actual... he's got the he's got the two inch Pink Panther rigid insulation in there. Yeah. Polystyrene. Like... That's good shit. That's like an R22 yeah. value. So yeah, you're solid. That'll help in the winter. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I guess it won't be in the I'll winter. Have it, yeah, I'll have it take it out. Yeah. Nonetheless, yeah. So, um, 
it, it's basically yeah i'm in i'm in my own like bunker now it's great so nonetheless here's my other question which kind of kind of bleeds into what happens after after a little bit um I know he smelled Roy. Like I thought I smelled you. <laughs> yeah, like he supposedly smells Roy cuz like Roy I guess Roy I I forget. I thought in the first movie he, they mentioned something about deer piss. Or like You mean the first the, time we watched it? The first time I watched yeah, like that he he could smell it because like he was hunting and he like did like traditional hunter shit which like including masking his scent and like deer piss. Yeah, I thought hunting was more of a prevalent backstory for Roy as well, actually. But nonetheless, whatever the case, he smells Roy. He says, "Let's go somewhere where you can be alone." But why would he go to the cave? Which is an obvious communal point if he knew Roy was chasing it. You know? And so this is my theory. That in the multitude of timelines, Niles enjoyed the looks of Sarah. He... He enjoyed, he thought she was cute. He, and of the time, the times that they banged, he probably enjoyed her, you know, what just enjoyed her presence and her body and whatever the, whatever mm. else, you know, at the time. So, so when he says he loves her, it, I mean, it makes sense because he's gotten to know her right, a lot more right. and she's gotten to know him in a way. Does he intentionally take her close to the cave, hoping she follows him? And how does that make the relationship? How does it slant your view of their relationship at all? That's a very interesting question. Because the reason I ask this is because why would he take her there? When he could have taken her anywhere, including a place that might have a bed to fuck, you know? Well, like I mean, hey, fucking under the stars in the desert is pretty fucking amazing. I mean, I wouldn't personally know because, you know, a four-year-old doesn't have that kind of stamina um, growing up in Arizona. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I would imagine it would be pretty amazing. Um but yeah, that I mean, I, I don't know. They go there like uh, there's a lot of scenes in that desert. So I would imagine that we never get told it, but I would imagine that it's easily accessible somehow. Like maybe it's nearby wherever the wedding is or it's I don't know. I don't know because so at least there's I assume that there's that. But yeah, you're right. You're still right to point out that like you you consciously know that there is this portal there mm-hmm. and you bring an unsuspecting person there knowing 
maybe not consciously admitting, but at least subconsciously knowing in the back of your mind that that's a possibility. That she could follow you in there, that things could happen, and all exactly sudden, that anything she... could happen involving it. Mm-hmm. Like just being in the proximity of it, obviously drastically increases the potential of mm-hmm. involving it. So yeah, and I mean, from what we know of his character, what we find out throughout the movie, where he withholds, for example, the fact that he slept with her a bunch. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem out of character for him to think that at one point like for him to consciously go huh yeah i'm gonna take her near the portal because i'm lonely as shit and just maybe and that's where it's also odd because like because there's a a a way to say it it gives him a cop-out in a way as well where you're just like oh i didn't take her to the cave i got mm. shot and she followed me so like he can in his own mind manipulate that idea of you know oh i didn't make her go in the cave she chose to do it sort of thing um which is the same kind of reasoning he tries to use with roy even though roy right. beats the fuck out like on top of that like it also makes you think that through that time, as I mentioned, he started liking her for like amongst the multiple times that they banged. And so he did at some point start like he never stopped caring about things in this time. Loop. Right. Like he obviously cares about her in some sort of facet. If he even is chancing the possibility of her jumping in the cave and joining him. So he's obviously feeling lonely beyond being killed by Roy. And he obviously is like, there's some semblance of wanting to get out still within his like being, even though he pretends he doesn't care. Right. And that's, yeah. And that, that's kind of where, knowing his backstory and where he comes from and what exactly is going on in his life leading up to it. All you know is that he's in this loveless relationship with Misty. Fucking Misty. Who's a lot younger than him. Is she? And yeah, because she calls him an older guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And also you have to assume that she's probably around the same age as Tala, uh, the bride who is seven years younger than Sarah so you would think, oh, yeah. you pro- like you assume, like in most Rob Gobs, you're around the same age as your partner. Right. So right. You, we're probably talking about at least like a seven year age difference. Right. That's my guess. That's a good, um, that's a good point. You know, so nonetheless, it, I guess, I, like, I think he intentionally took her to that area to make out. I think having Roy there. It just was a happy accident and that he was secretly happy when she was there the next day and knew that she had jumped in because he's immediately explaining it to her and not like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I did this once before to someone else. 
right and, you know, right he's it, immediately like well you're in a time loop so it's like in a way did he kidnap her <laughs> well no because as as he as he defends himself with at one point he's like i legitimately told you not to follow me in and god forbid you tell sarah what not to do like it's not like he was blatantly yeah. leading her into the cave but yeah you're right but, that it's like but you bring be, her in within proximity of it it'd be like telling someone who really loves cupcakes don't eat that like walking them to a place saying don't eat that cupcake and the cupcake happens to be on a very large mousetrap <laughs> and it's just like if you took her near the cave and then you were just like, don't come into the cave. Right. It's the same right. thing. Like, I, I'm going to try to grab that cupcake before the mousetrap comes down on me. You know? And she yeah. went into the cave, even though, it's, you know. So, but at the same time, then you go back to the theory of this is just a page of uh, time. There's multiple timelines where Sarah is not in this situation. So that's another way you can constitute it as I just want one of the timelines to be with me forever. Hmm. I'm just mm. wanting this one page. There's still millions of other pages that have already been written. Millions of other Sarahs that are out there in the, in right. the timeline universe. I just want one. Well, yeah, this is where the whole multiverse theory gets really complex. And that's where you can really dive in. <laughs> and that's where it's like, this is so interesting to have a rom-com live here. Right? Like, this is so, this oh. is unique and different than than you know having them out and you know trying to find gold in the yeah, middle oh of the water. God. I mean, looking at you, pretty. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> the water is really pretty, though. God um, damn it, it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or or you know, uh, hiring an escort to accompany you to a wedding in in the UK. How is it only eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes? I I'd still that's gonna be like basically the takeaway of our entire podcast is how <laughs> right, the justice for the wedding date justice for the wedding date is that's bullshit <laughs> and this podcast formally does not agree with that <laughs> uh, anyway so well actually I might as well stop so that's what makes me think about what happens after ever after between Niles and Sarah because of the whole theory of, did he lure her to the cave and everything else like that? How yeah. does that relationship proceed in actual life? Quote unquote, you know, and also how do they proceed now that they're not writing their own pages again, there's actually consequences right. to their actions again, right. and things like that. That's why I just feel like I feel like Niles passes away early. Like I don't think like they're together. Like I think they're together forever in Niles' existence, but I don't think that existence is very long. I feel God like something Damn, you're killing someone off. Is, well, I kind of killed off the Morgans two weeks ago. Oh Did well, yeah. Morgans? I don't think anyone cared about that. Like we I all mean, wanted no to really, see them yeah. die. 
Like that was just. <laughs> but yeah, because I just I feel like there's there's a readjustment of remembering that there's consequences to actions again. And I know he's kind of lived like, you know, oh, trying to avoid pain and things like that. But at the same time, there's also just the randomness of life where things can happen and all of a sudden the lights shut off. Right. And I just feel like there's just karmically and cosmically something weird's going to happen. I I don't know. That's just the vibe I would get from that whole situation. No, that's a, that's a good point. That's a very good point. I mean, like realistically, yes, from a, from a rom-com strict perspective, their relationship, their dynamic because of this whole time loop is very different. It's strange. Like, yeah, in the, in the heat of the moment when we're watching the whole, you know, hour and 30 minutes of it, you don't really think of it too much. But now that we've had some time to marinate on it, I mean, out of context, that's a, that's a, that would be a very unique situation. I mean, aside from the time loop itself, obviously that's unique, Mm -hmm. but like the kind of dynamic that that kind of situation would create between two people would be so much different from like you're saying the life afterwards. And like even more so than say like um uh like uh romancing the stone for example when they get thrown into the perilous journey together and mm-hmm. they face danger together and then they go and live a normal life after that it's it's a tough adjustment it's it's still way different than that it's Having that consistency, knowing that you have the same day to repeat over and over and over, that there are certain constants there that you cannot change. Oh, I mean, with Romancing the Stone, they supposedly live a normal existence. But in reality, like he picks her up on a boat in the middle of a closed street in New York, and then they go sailing around the world. And then we start... Jewel, Jewel the Nile while they're still sailing around the world in their kind of honeymoon phase. And clearly anyway. Jewel the Nile was an example of the most mundane normal lifestyle possible. Oh yeah. And then and then they get married so now they're about to actually go on a honeymoon so they still haven't really lived a normal life yet <laughs> together. But hey, they had a good well, run. They had a good run. <laughs> <laughs> that now, fucking movie. That let's drive a fucking that. jet plane through the desert. <laughs> <laughs> not fly it just drive it fuck flying it just drive it <laughs> uh, that was in draft 27 of the 32 draft that they had for that film god that they wrote no, i'm kidding i don't know how many i i don't i think there was one draft i think there was no, one no, no. fucking draft no, no, no. for that no it was they talked about how they were rewriting it and they're still rewriting it as they were filming it oh that's right that's right that's right i forgot about that yeah yeah Nonetheless, anyway, anyway. but uh, question. Answer. What is the kiss of this film? Oh, for me, it was totally the the final one at the cave where she says, by the way, in case we don't make this, I love you too. And then they kiss and the back, it's backlit by, you know, the glowing tunnel, the glowing tunnel, the portal. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. That is the kiss of the film now that I think about it. But I was just, I was being kind of a smart ass because like, you're, the first time you watch this film, you're so enthralled by like what's going on, and then the second time you watch the film, 
you're catching all these details you missed the first time. Yeah. But the thing that you kind of forget about is the kiss that was watching out for the kiss. Like, I didn't think, like, how many times did they kiss? Like, yeah. I think, well, okay, I think the first kiss that they actually share on screen is the one is at, in the tent. at the rock. Oh, no, and yeah, you're right. They're at the, wait. They're making out at the rock by the cave. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's just so, so like it's it's not really like zoomed in at all. Like we see them from a distance. Yeah, but it's technically. But you're right. There. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I'm. I was thinking of the one where they're in the tent, and she he's about to go to sleep, and she goes, "Let's just get this over with." And they finally yeah. bone for the first time. Bone. Bone. Uh, you know, I don't think that word was in my vocabulary until. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I mean, it, it was obviously in my vocabulary, but I don't think it was my default word of choice for a sexual act. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's just like I what I automatically go to. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the, but yeah, as you, as you said, like the kiss of the film is the last one. Uh, it's a pretty cool kiss. It's um, a, I loved it. it. It's cool. I, Personally, I'm just like the whole like epic look and like I, I you know like we've we've discussed this before in our multiple discussions of kisses in films. I I'm more about the feeling and emotion behind it. Mm -hmm. and you're more of the show behind mm -hmm. it. And so, with this film, the romance is there and it's palpable and it's good, but the romance is not the 100 percent thing you care about in this film it's one of the mul many things that you kind of care about right in this film. right and so so the kiss is a b plus to me because it's just like it's cool that she says she loves him too but then there's also that theory in the back of my head <laughs> like about did he lure her there there's just the the, the uncommon ground that the two mm. are on in this whole situation i there's a there's a lot of like things that like sit in the back of my mind, but I'm able to like push away because the kiss is still nice. And I still do actually believe that they do love each other, but it's a good point. There's yeah. a lot of questions. There's still questions. There's still unanswered questions, which that's life though. Right. And, um, I, I guess, I guess the piece that I made with that or that I would make with that now anyway, is that, it's not like he lured, if we're going with the, the term lured, like he lured yeah. her there. It's not like he lured a completely functional, perfect life there. Like, it's not like, you know, everything was going perfectly for her. And he was the right. reason that he derailed, that her life became derailed. Like, obviously, she is a little lost in her life as well. And we see that from her driving back to Austin from her sleeping with her sister's fiance the night before their wedding. Yeah. You know, we didn't even mention, uh, yeah, which we didn't even, yeah, we haven't even fucking brought up. Like that's usually yeah. something we immediately hone in on. Um, as far as infidelity now, it, it really does affect the romance of a, of a, you know, of a rom-com, but at the same time, it's just time and consequences are, 
basically done away with yeah or you know in this movie so you're not necessarily worried about them as a viewer yeah it's more there's more to the movie than than just the romance so you're able to dismiss stuff like that a little easier because there's so Mm -hmm. much more going on in the plot and the characters and everything so yeah exactly like i was able to play it off as a little more like oh it's just kind of like part of the story that that doesn't mean it didn't piss me off and i'm just like you know well i I mean i don't i remember you saying like you know that when she gives her speech before she goes into the cave and she talks about you know how selfless her sister is and that you mentioned as we were watching it so you slept with her fucking fiance (laughs) (laughs) it was just like and when you said that it kind of was like a glass shattering moment like wait yeah what the fuck you it's like i get you're like quote unquote broken and i get there's like a whole lot of like mental stuff here crossing the fucking line man and like there's probably like a gel you know, but I think it's also kind of the same thing when she kills herself after they get arrested by the police. The first thing she does is the first way the first time she wakes up before she learns about quantum physics is she storms into the shower and says, You and I are shitty people, but I'm done being shitty. Like Yes. We see a lot of character growth from her throughout this movie. Yeah. So I guess like for her, the person we see and the person she becomes by the end of the film is not the same person we saw in the beginning of the film. And Whereas with, as with Niles, I don't believe that. I think he's the same guy. Well, which is why, which is another reason I think why I'm a little unsure about their future. He is kind of the same guy, but who he is as a guy, I felt like was very moldable and fluid when we met him because he is, we meet him in a situation that strikes me as like he's he is at rock bottom. He has accepted his mm-hmm. fate. He doesn't give two shits about anything anymore. And mm-hmm. it is what it is. I mean, we see that when he first meets her too, where he's he's basically spending the first 15 minutes of their entire dynamic just trying to catch her up to speed and convince her that like, look, just just roll with it, man. Let's just have fun with it. Like, don't fight it. Trust me. I've already tried, you know, I've tried that. I've tried killing myself to get out of it. I've tried going in the tunnel. I've tried all that. Just roll with it. Like, just don't worry about it here. Have a beer. So like we see him at a very like low point and he stays at that low point, that, that same like consistent level for a lot of it. But then it takes someone like her to come along and be like, no, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to find a way out of it. And we see so much character growth from her to the point that she is not only able to pick herself up and get out, but she's able to pick herself up and take him along with her. And well, when it he, comes he, to relationships, so it, sometimes you he, really do need that from a partner. I mean, he coincidentally realizes that she's his Irvine as she's figuring out quantum physics. Exactly. Yeah. Then we have Roy's whole like wisdom speech where he's like, you just need to find your Irvine. Yeah. You know, but yeah. So I don't necessarily think she digs him out of it. I think he just 
made a realization. And then there's all those scenes of him just being really fucking unhappy about realizing it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden she shows back up like, hey, I learned quantum physics, which could be, quote unquote, years later. It could be. Yeah, we don't thousands know. Of pages like it's just to get to that point. It probably would she, need to be. Yeah. Yeah. But nonetheless. Um, yeah. So. But that they kind of, but just talking about all that also kind of pokes a hole in my theory that he lured her there because he has to make the realization that she's his Irvine, quote unquote. And and um, I think obviously that shows a little bit of character growth for him too. Just like him yeah. finally admitting, even though it was a shitty thing to do, he does admit that like, yes, I lied to you about sleeping together. Uh, yes, I've lied to you about uh what else that they i didn't he say something about how long they'd been in no he didn't say anything about how long they'd been in there there was other stuff there was plenty of other stuff that i'm blanking on but he was definitely like showing little spurts of realizations like that and it's like you don't need to necessarily make the giant leaps forward in character growth in a rom-com to convince me that you're growing as long as you show Mm. little hints that like you have that potential that you're starting to inwardly realize that Mm -hmm. i don't need to i don't need to see the end result of it necessarily by the end of the movie where you've fully accepted everything you've fully grown you fully you know whatever developed further just as long as there's that potential, that always gives me hope once the movie's over, you know, kind of thing. Especially especially when the other half of that dynamic in terms of Sarah's character, she made a lot of character growth. So, like, at least one of them made a lot of obvious growth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that gives me hope that like by being together, she's obviously going to now be a positive influence in that respect. This really could have been dumb luck, like the whole thing, because he does the whole nice leg thing when he wakes up initially with Misty. Misty says, fine, okay. And then he's having sex with her and she's just like, I'm, I'm not feeling this like. Like, have you come yet? Have you come yet? And then he, she basically is like, well, you can watch me. And like, God. so he, so in a way he's being emasculated right there. And so then he decides with his day, okay, I feel emasculated. I, I like, I'm going to bust a nut and I would like to make someone else probably have someone else have an orgasm. So let's, uh, you know what? I like that Sarah girl. Let's have sex with her. And so then he does the whole speech thing because he says he knows that all he has to do is save her from the speech. Right. And I'll usually do the trick. And so then he and so basically he does the speech thing. He's kind of worried about Roy being there because he doesn't like pain. And so then you and then you have to assume that the cave is nearby wherever the reception is. So it's just dumb luck that they go out into the rocks and then end up close enough to the cave. And so then he's getting shot by Roy. And he knows if he goes in the cave, he starts the next day without having to deal with with as much pain without like without having to deal with as much pain. So he hides, gets away from 
gets away from Roy so that he's no longer like so that he could just get in the cave, not deal with having these arrow wounds and being hurting for the rest of the night, and then just start tomorrow, right? And then just not be in pain again. So, and it just happened to be that he got emasculated at the very beginning of the day by not being able to finish with Misty. And so he decided that he had to bang someone and then Sarah just happened to follow him into the cave. And that's where the whole thing starts. At the very least. I, yeah, I could definitely see that it's dumb luck that it's like they're in the desert and because he does run for a while. Once Roy shows up that first yeah. scene, he yeah. runs for a while. It's not like they're right next to the cave or anything. Like they're just yeah. out in the desert Yeah, and he's running for a while. And like you said, like, obviously he's been shot by Roy. So he's thinking, okay, I just got to run back to that cave and it'll reset the day. I can escape yeah. Roy and I can escape the pain that is now in my back and eventually in his leg from the arrow. And also Roy knows that he can walk into the cave and start his day over. As well. Exactly. So they're both running that direction and it does take them a while to get there. Yeah. So I guess the implication is it's not like they're, he consciously took her to the cave. It's just like they went out in the desert kind of thing and, and they happened well, I mean, to like, yeah, there's, I mean, there's multiple theories you can come up with. And yeah. I guess that just, that's just, you know, kudos to the writing. They left they a lot of room for theories. ambiguity too. Uh, yeah. Like it's just kudos to the filmmakers and the, the uh, and the story makers of this film, because they, they created something that as an audience member, you can, you know, create your own theories. You can do all this. And it's just like, this is what you want out of a film and out of a piece of art, something that's thought provoking, something that's entertaining that can fill, fill and check all these boxes for you. This film does that. Especially a rom-com. Like, yeah, I want to be, I want to be entertained. I want to be, I want a reflection on what I think is, is romantic life. But I also acknowledge that that's different for every single human being on earth. And yeah. so the way to allow that to reach the largest audience is to allow for some level of ambiguity where you're able to read into it however you want as an audience member. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the way rom-coms fail is they they dictate the storyline a little too much. And then it's like, like we've complained about multiple times that it's like, well, it's not really like relevant or um, what's the term we usually use? Um, relatable. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that that's, I mean, how many movies have we reviewed now that we've said that, but we haven't like hated the movie. It's not like the movie sucks because it's not relatable. It's just like, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's still a good movie, but like, yeah, I don't relate to it at all. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, well, the way around that is to leave a little bit of ambiguity so that you can read into it. You can create this discussion. And on top of it all, they add to it by adding like this, like the sci-fi aspect to it. You know, the... I mean, you got Lonely Island's presence there, so that always adds another level to it. You know, there's there's good stuff to it that I, I think allows for, like you said, a lot of discussion. Yeah. So, for all those reasons, I think my verdict for the film is that I'd marry it. Um, Dude, because I... you watch it, yeah. you watch it the first time, watch it the first time, 
and you know be amazed and enthralled by it you know for you know all that it entails and then you watch it a second time to catch all the stray details and i'll watch it again just to enjoy it the next time you know what i'm saying so um yeah and it's still got laughs it's still got a lot of things i yeah so i know we were talking before we recorded how we weren't sure about what our verdict was for the film and that we we're going to kind of try to come up with it after yeah. talking and yeah i you know after talking about it i decided i yeah it's it's a mary i think i gotta agree for the exact same reason like the more we've talked about it i'd marry it it's i mean i i have to marry it because like to me it's like it's the perfect balance you got a little bit of sci-fi in there which i always dig and rom-coms don't have nearly enough of if you ask me and then you've got the romantic side of it but for me it's the romantic side of it was was a really cool um, a little more subtle version of a romantic dynamic because we like as we've said multiple times already today that it's balanced with the other aspects of the plot so the romance of the situation isn't first and foremost or the only storyline and I like that balance and then on top of it all that romantic storyline is it's their dynamic for how to cope with this situation, which is a very real, relatable feeling. The time loop and everything is not realistic necessarily, at least not yet. We're getting there. We've got antimatter. We're going to have warp drive soon. I guarantee it. <laughs> time loop. It's only a matter of time, man. Uh, matter of time. But, uh, even outside of that, like the bare minimum dynamic, the aspect of like dealing with and coping with some drastic life altering situation like that, and then finding someone else as your anchor in a situation like that is powerful. That's a, that can be, it can be a good foundation for a relationship, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship or whatever. And I liked that. I really liked that. So I'd marry it. Yeah. yeah there you go. Um, and one last thing about the film, kudos to like, I, the, the one thing I didn't catch in the first film that I caught this time was Roy learning his lesson being stuck in the ICU. I didn't catch that. They wouldn't let him go into a coma. I didn't either. Actually, that's a good point. I like, I didn't catch that the first time I watched the film. So then he had to slowly die in the ICU. And, and like, that's when he realized all the pain he was causing, causing, uh, Niles, you know, and all this other sort of stuff. And he, he kind of gained a new appreciation for life, even in the time loop. And then also then uh, the crazy message that he got and like the, that part almost felt like, because I didn't quite catch that ICU part that he had kind of turned a new leaf and was like, you know, no longer this evil villain who is constantly like causing pain to Niles. 
so then so then when you see the end i saw it differently like it almost felt like a the first time i watched the film that part felt like uh you know, oh, they got him. They got Roy. The, he got his, you know, they tricked him and now he's stuck in the time loop and they're out of there. Like, it almost felt like that kind of like, kind of a tagline, like, haha, you know, sort of thing. But then this time, you actually see it for what it is that she just told him the secret of getting out and he gets to see his kids grow up now. Mm-hmm. And like, and that the smile on his face is a legit smile of joy. And he asked for a, lots of alcohol because he's going to fucking tie one on one last time with no consequences. And then the next day, he's going to get the fuck out of there and go live life with his yeah. family in Irvine. And it's yeah. just like, he's going to have, he's taught, he's having one last fucking party before he, with no consequences before getting out of there. And it's just like, that's a cool ending. That's a perfect but, ending. Yeah for that character and and just the idea in general so kudos to this movie yeah. it's very thought-provoking and i and we suggest everyone should uh watch it, it so yeah yeah um yeah so you can find our socials uh at bromancing the stone podcast on instagram that's bromancing the stone podcast all one word together uh, on twitter at bro the stone pod uh i haven't been live tweeting movies as much um, I might live tweet the next one that I'm choosing. I I feel like it's probably a good one to do that with. So, um, yeah. And then uh, you can find me on Twitter at Supermarket Sweep without the E in Super. So S U P R Market Sweep. And find me on Instagram at Relusa88. That's R E L U S A A eight in the max. On Instagram, you can find me at the Lion the Lionhearted. Which is T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D. And on Twitter, you can find me at the Lionheart with an underscore instead of a period. Coolio. And as far as the next movie, uh, really no coincidence with the film that we just watched. Uh, I just hadn't thought about it until we were getting ready to record and realized, oh, I have to find a movie. Um, and so I saw this one was on Hulu and uh, figure why the fuck not 500 days of summer. That's the movie we're watching. Holy as, shit. As we approach summer, I guess we could say that after Memorial day, you're kind of in summer. So we'll start off the summer of 2021 with 500 days of summer. That's a rom-com. Technically. Yes. I, I always mean, avoided it. I've never seen it, and I always avoided it because I thought it was a rom drum. You'll uh, you'll see. It's, <laughs> uh, when I first watched it, as like it was, I think it was the uh, the summer after freshman year of college is when it came out 20, 2007. That sounds right. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I remember when I first watched the film, it immediately jumped into like my top five films of all time. I loved it, loved it. Oh, of course, now, a lot of people did back then. Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, and now you watch it. And I, the last time I watched it was probably like a couple years ago, and I just shook my head most of the film. And it was like, <laughs> and it's like it was like a multiple. It was like the fourth or fifth viewing for me of all time, and I own it on DVD. 
and it's just like interesting. Okay, I'm just I'm, I'm, it'll be it'll be fun to talk about, especially for someone like me who's never even seen it, but uh, yeah, but understands the hype that went into it. Yes, and there's definitely some comedy in it, so it's it's technically a rom com. Um, I'm down. So, Let's do yeah. it. Let's fucking do it. All right. Well, until next week, to the tens and tens of listeners, we love y'all. Thank y'all. Catch you next week. We love you guys.